let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Outposts of Heaven, the podcast. And happy Thanksgiving. And happy Thanksgiving, because this comes out on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. If you're in the United States, anyways. Yeah, I think so. Canadian Thanksgiving is in October. Yeah, I think it already happened. Yeah. So happy, happy Thanksgiving, belated Canadians. Thanksgiving, our Canadian listeners. Um, so we're really yeah. excited to have you guys joining us today because we have an awesome guest and personal friend of ours. Mm-hmm. We have Katie Guy here. I almost said Sister Katie. <laughs> um, I work with Sister Katie in um, in the youth program in our congregation, and she is awesome. She has a super strong testimony. She is the my shining example of how to serve others. <laughs> You're stellar at it, Katie. So Thanks. welcome, Katie. Thank you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started? Started. I am married to my best friend, um, and we are high school sweethearts. And we have four amazing uh, biological kids who are our fantastic four, and mm-hmm. they're all married <laughs> now. And um, she's a grandma now too. I am. I am. And uh, we have some adopted kids in our life who. Um, are amazing and got amazing in-laws and and amazing grandkids and I love it. It's the best thing in the whole world. <laughs> so growing up, I uh, was friends, especially with Zach. He and I were close as we were, especially in, in high school. Yeah. Um, and I had to keep like running tabs on who lived in your house because I can <laughs> I can never remember who was living there at the time. So Katie constantly was inviting people into her home. Yeah. How many people do you think do you do you know the number of how many people you've had in your home that weren't my children? That weren't your children, yeah. yeah. I think 9. Okay. Wow. 9 different youth that lived mm-hmm. with us at one time or another. Some of them were nieces and nephews and some of them were just um kids that needed a place to stay and just became part of our family and part of our life. Uh, one of the things that I think is probably the biggest blessing in my life was the knowledge and uh, the things that my parents taught me were that blood didn't make you family, love did. And so it wasn't hard. Well, it wasn't hard to love them. Mm-hmm. I like that phrase. That's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, this being Thanksgiving, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about gratitude. Uh, Hun, do you want to talk about the Give Thanks initiative yeah. first? Yeah, I'll uh, talk about that a little bit. Um, today's kind of the last day of it because it's Thanksgiving, but um, a week ago, our uh, the president of our church, the prophet, President Nelson, came out with a an initiative, and he asked us to um, post on social media every day about something that you're grateful for. And um, something interesting that I thought, well, I thought it was very interesting is that he kind of, he talked about his past and the trials, the hard things that had happened to him and his family and, um, and how you can pull gratitude from those trials. Ammon sneezing. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, I just thought that was so fascinating that it's easy to think of the good things to be grateful for because that's just the, the go-to, you know, you mm-hmm. want to be thankful for the happy things in your life and it's harder to think and to be grateful for the things that go wrong, um, or quote unquote wrong. But so anyway, so that was basically the initiatives right. to, to post every day um, about something that you're grateful for. And so I saw that Katie had posted um, that she was grateful for fire. And so that's basically what we wanted to talk about today. She had posted um, her hands, which have scars on them from being burned. And so we want to have her share her story. And then um, basically, how did you <laughs> how did you come to, to feel that gratitude eventually? Because I'm sure it wasn't immediate. Right. And I think what we want to do is just have you tell your story. Uh, and then we'll kind of just go where the conversation leads. Uh, and think and try and draw out lessons for our listeners about how they can better apply gratitude to get through trials they're going through now and to heal from trials that have happened in the past. Okay. I told you it was 37 years ago. I was um, seven years old and my mom and two of my sisters were on our way to Baton Rouge and um, we were driving down the interstate and the fuel pump blew up in our car. And, um, that's ironically enough, but as we were driving, my mom said, I feel like we need to say a prayer. And she started praying. And when she did being seven years old, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. like open my eyes for a second. And I saw this thing on fire. Like it was behind our car. I could see us driving and there's a trail of it, a trail of fire to the car. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. Like just a thought, like, what, what is that? And my mom starts screaming, and we slammed into the cement divider along the interstate. And um, the car that we were in had electric door locks, but roll-down windows. And the kind of door locks it had were like these pencil-like door locks. Like, they were like these real skinny ones, and they go all the way down into the car. Oh, so you can't pull it up. So you can't unlock it from the inside, Right. right? You can't just do that. And when the car slammed in, all the electrical systems shut down in the car, and so... Um, she couldn't open the doors. We couldn't get out. And the car just burst into flames. And um, somebody from going the opposite direction on the interstate stopped. And, like, they saw the car, you know. And it was a truck driver. And he was trying to help my mom. And so she rolled down the window on the pass- on the driver's side of her, her, her door and so he came to the window, and she was just going to hand us out the window. That's what she was going to do. So she grabbed my younger sister and handed her out the window. And then a couple of other people stopped, and they were trying to help, and they had fire extinguishers, and they were, like, blowing the fire extinguishers under the car. But what it did was just push the flame. So then, like, put it out. So as my mom was handing me out the window, the flame came up and just engulfed me. So she pulled me back in the car. Because she didn't know what else to do. Because right. now there's a wall of fire yeah. beside us. And um, and then we sat in the car, which felt like... God, I can't believe I'm getting emotional about it right now just talking about it. But so we sat right. in the car and it felt like an eternity. But yeah. like everything was burning in the car. And just stuff was dripping like the 
like the carpet on the, you know, whatever, the, mm-hmm. the liner on the top of the car just dripping all over you. And it's like hot tar dripping on you. Like it's just hitting you everywhere. And my older sister was in the back seat and she was trying to stay up off of the seats were got real hot. And so she was just on her hands and knees. And my mom just turned around in her seat and just start kicking as hard as she could. She just kept, kept kicking the door and kicking the door till the door finally just broke open. The passenger side door just broke open and I don't know what happened. You know, it's divine intervention. That's all I can think of at that point. And so those guys that were there, these three little guys that were there, got me out. My sister climbed over the seat. They got her out. My mom climbed out. And, um, and I remember standing on the pavement. And it had just rained. It was during the summertime. And, like, you know, summertime in South Louisiana, it rains every afternoon. Mm-hmm. It had just rained. So the, the pavement was hot, hot, hot. It was super steamy. And the car's on fire right here. And I remember just wanting somebody to pick me up because my feet were burning. I wasn't wearing any shoes. And I just wanted somebody to pick me up. And I remember reaching my hands out and it looked like sheets hanging off my arms. Like I didn't, Mm -hmm. at the time, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it was. Like I'm just looking, but it was my skin was just literally like just hanging off. And they, the guys didn't know what to do. They didn't want to pick me up. And so they just knelt down and let me sit like on their knee, you know, mm-hmm. until the ambulance got there. And then um, the ambulance came and my mom and I got in one and they had picked my little sister up on the other side because she had, was taken across there and mm-hmm. picked her and my other sister up and took us to the hospital. And um, my dad um, was at work at that time and... Um, long before cell phones but there were pagers you know so Mm -hmm. my dad was at work and they brought us into the emergency room I remember passing by they kept wanting me to lay down and um they wanted me to lay down and I didn't want to like to get me out of the ambulance I was like no I'm good you know like my mom's hyperventilating over here and I'm just fine like Mm -hmm. just it's good it's good and they're like no we need you to lay down (laughs) we need you to come out (laughs) So we went into the emergency room, and I remember seeing my sisters on the side or whatever, and and that started my journey. That was kind of how it happened. I stayed in the hospital there for three weeks and two days in Baton Rouge General. They yeah. didn't have a pediatric wing of the burn mm-hmm. unit at all. Um, in fact, I think I was the only, I was the second pediatric patient they'd ever had. Wow. Um, most kids were taken to the Shriners Burn Institute in Galveston whenever they get burned in this area, I think is where they would end up. And in fact, while I was in the hospital, one of my dad's friends was a Shriner and he said, let, let us sponsor her and let us take her out there. It'll be better for her. And my dad's like, no, cause I wouldn't be able to, like he had to work full time. He's mm-hmm. like, I can't see her. Um, my mom got burned on her hands. I'd say pretty bad, but she had got burned on her hands. She had one, one kind of real bad burn here and then her legs got burned up a little bit, but she wouldn't let them do surgery on her. She came every day and let them scrub, scrub her down, that kind of stuff. Uh, my youngest sister got burned from her elbow to her shoulder, like right here, but it was like a really bad, like, I guess like a sunburn. It was like a first degree burn, so it mm-hmm. just kind of burned her skin right there. And then my older sister got burned on the palms of her hands and her knees, but kind of the same thing. It was just real bad for us. Mm-hmm. But because I literally was in the flame yeah. and then sat under the drip, then it 
then I caught the worst of it. And um, so, what's the recovery process like physically? So, like, do they? What kind of surgeries do they do? So, um, every day you went down to the scrub room, and they would scrub you down. It, it literally, if I can tell you what it felt like, it was like the coarsest sandpaper you could ever imagine just rubbing over your skin over and over and over yeah, and over like again. On open wounds. Because that's yeah. really what it felt like. Like it was horrifying to the point where, and they would take you down there and there's no like sedation, there's no whatever. They're just, they're doing everything they can to get the old debris off and they're and it's an everyday process. Um, initially... Um, they did skin grafts and so when they would so I got burned from like from the top up like so like my chest is burned wherever my shirt was Mm -hmm. I had a v-neck shirt on so it burned like this part of my chest my face um, my arms all the way up my shoulders um, and then the top part of my legs are burned from the stuff dripping Mm -hmm. down and so then when they did skin grafts, they pulled skin off my legs, my stomach, my hip to do skin grafts on the rest of my body. So mm-hmm. I have scars over 85% of my body right now because mm-hmm. it's some of it's from donor sites, some of it's the skin grafts themselves. Um, and one time I was going into surgery and um, my ears were burned so bad that they were pretty sure they were just going to have to take them off. And that was pretty hard for a seven-year-old to know Mm -hmm. that that was like, you're going to come out of this surgery and you're not going to have ears when you're done. And I was like, dad, I don't know if I can (laughs) do this, you know? Um, and so my dad gave me a blessing before I went into surgery. And, um, when I came out, the doctor said, I don't know what the deal is, but her ears just weren't as bad when we got in there. So we did a graft on one of them, and the other one we just left alone. And it's... That's awesome. It's amazing. For those of uh, our listeners who are not members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, when we say give a blessing, uh, that's a... It's kind of like a special prayer. Uh, like in the New Testament, it talks a lot about how the, the elders of the church laid their hands upon the sick and the afflicted and, and prayed over them or gave them blessings. And that's what we're referring to. And so in our church... Uh, people who are holders of the priesthood can give blessings. And Katie's dad was a priesthood holder at the time, was able to right. give her a blessing. So that, and that was one of many surgeries I had there. And then when I got out of the hospital, I turned eight in the hospital. Um, had a birthday party there. Oh, that's kind of cute. How long were you there? <laughs> Three weeks and two days in that, in Baton Rouge General. And then... Uh, a month or so after I had got out, I spent another three weeks at Shriners Burn Institute. Um, and I spent my time in the hospital there visiting the other residents mm-hmm. that were on the burn wing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I had to learn to walk again. Like I had all these things I had to do. And so um, I met this man down the down the hall or whatever because I was a socialite I guess I just wanted to talk to somebody I was by myself you know most of the day Mm -hmm. my mom because my mom had burns she wasn't allowed to come up and visit very often and um and my sisters didn't come up you know whatever and 
and my dad worked full time. And so I would see him occasionally, but not every day. And, um, and so I, you know, I'm seven, eight years old. I'm by myself. Like, so I wanted to go visit. And so the nurses would put me in the wheelchair and they'd take me to the different rooms and and I would go visit and just, (laughs) that's totally you (laughs) talk to people and things like that. And then, um, and then as I could start walking more, I would use the wheelchair to, as like a walker or whatever. And I would walk around and try to visit people or whatever. And then, um, then the next three weeks I spent in, in Shriners and Galveston were, um, is all reconstruction. So that I did all my initial skin grafts in Baton Rouge General, at Baton Rouge General. And then by the time I got to Shriners, um, my grafts, my graft, my chin had grown almost to my chest because my grafts had constricted. And so hmm. everything that I spent the next three weeks that I spent at Shriners were trying to get those to release, like wearing multiple size of neck braces and jokes garments to pressure garments and things yeah. like that. And, um, which are horrible horrible torture devices mm. it's just gonna put that out there <laughs> really bad things not really i mean it is it's there everything's helpful mm-hmm. everything's yeah. helpful but mm-hmm. man as a seven eight year old kid they're like torture devices like that yeah hated that so much do you have any like side effects from it now like, like physical like side effects? physical yeah like does, does it still um, hurt or no probably the biggest thing is i don't have full range of motion in my neck so if mm-hmm. I lean my neck back, it mm-hmm. pulls all of this. You can see all this yeah. pulls mm-hmm. down. Um, I had to have extra. I played clarinet in the band at school. And at one time, my pinky finger and my ring finger were curled almost to the point where I couldn't, like, I couldn't stretch them out at all. Mm-hmm. So I had to have surgery on them to stretch them back out because I couldn't play mm-hmm. my instrument. Like there's things like that. But What about, um, so I have secondary burns on my legs. And I have to be careful when I'm in the sun for too long because, like, they get like they get sunburned a little extra easy, and it hurts a lot oh, more. Yeah. And so I'm assuming that's the case for same. Yeah, it's and they tell they used to tell me like you're never gonna be able to go out in the sun because <laughs> you're gonna get cancer like that. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just just kind of that that's extra sensitive yeah. or whatever, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. That's, that's kind of been my thing. I, one of the things that helped me immensely was meeting the other kids. And one of the things I really wanted to do more than anything in the world was to be a child life therapist. That was my goal, my dream, Mm -hmm. because that's who like, that was phenomenal for me, you know? So in Shriners, we had, um, we had, uh, um, they called it a playroom and the kids just, you got time to go in the playroom. And, um, we went in and the child life therapist would, um, just let us play and talk and just kind of, um, have, you know, time or whatever. And so that was one of the things that I loved so much was having that opportunity to do that and to meet other kids. And, and my story wasn't, nearly what these other kids had suffered things that they'd suffered at somebody else's hand like 
Mm. You can't even imagine. And so I was felt incredibly grateful that, you know, mine was an accident. That's what it was. And it wasn't anybody's fault. Um, That was probably hardest for my family. Like, my dad was really mad at my mom for a long time. Mm. This wasn't anybody's fault. Right. And I think that that, you know, like that, that was hard, you know, on them, on their relationship that, you know, didn't make it. But like, I just, I think that that was. Did your mom blame herself? Or did she understand yeah. that it was? So to understand a little bit too, my, my mom's no longer with us, but she suffered from, uh, she's manic depressive and she, she had a hard time mentally with it all. And as a kid, if I was in pain or just just having a hard day and I would just kind of be in a funk, like I was just having a hard time, if I started crying, she would pack my sisters up and they would leave. And they would leave me at home by myself for hours at a time. And, um, and then I asked her one time as a teenager, because I'm just frustrated, you mm-hmm. know, and questioning things. And I said, why did you do that? Like... Why did you leave me? Mm-hmm. And I'm eight years old. You know, like, I, this is tough. And she said, because you were trying to make me feel guilty. Mm. Like, and that was her thought process. Yeah. Like, if I was crying, she felt like I was trying to Ugh. blame her or make her yeah. feel guilty for that. And it wasn't. I was just a kid. Mm-hmm. And so, so on top of that, like, I had to understand that. Well, I think... I know you can probably go into so many more details and so many more backstories, but let's talk about how the Savior began to interact with you through this process. Because now we've talked about a lot of like the facts behind this. this, um, And you've talked a little bit about how it was hard for you, but let's talk about the Savior's role in this journey for you or with you. So um, when I... One of the things that I did probably one time, and it was one of those times where my mom left and took everybody and I was just having a really bad day. One time did I say, why me? Why did this happen to me? Only once? Yeah. Wow. Um, and, um, and so I, and I remember I was kneeling at this, kneeling on our rock like by our rocking chair and I was just bent over the rocking chair and I was just crying and I was just praying and I was like I don't understand Heavenly Father why is this ha- why did this have to happen to me and one of the things that came to me back then and I have never forgotten it was that um, and you can call it whatever you want you can call it a vision or you can call it a whatever but I remember in my mind's eye just seeing my family sit around like a council you know like we were all sitting there and someone came up to us and said okay some somebody in your family is gonna have to go through something really hard you're gonna have to one of you is gonna have to suffer really bad so that the rest of them don't and I just said I'll do it pick me mm-hmm. and um and that's what came to me whenever I was Having you were that like prayer. Eight years old. Yeah. Wow. And so at that time, I was like, okay, well, 
I would have rather it been me than ever see any of my siblings have to go through it or my parents or whatever. Like, I could not wish the physical pain on anybody, you know, or whatever. And mm-hmm. so at that point, I was just like, okay. Okay, I picked this. I picked this trial. And this is just what I have, you know. And mm-hmm. so if it weren't for a lot of prayer and I have two older brothers who um, didn't, I didn't grow up with, but, um, because they're older than me and didn't, they didn't live close, uh, as I was growing up, but I loved them. And I knew that if they could protect me ever, that they would. And that's how I became to know and love the savior too. In that same, having an older brother helped me to love the savior. Does that make sense? Mm So like I could have a very real relationship with him because I thought about him not living with me full time or whatever, kind of like my other brothers, but knowing that at any given time, he would have done anything to take the pain away, to help, to whatever. And then that's what he was there for, Mm -hmm. right? And that's how the atonement of the Savior gave me strength or gives me strength Mm -hmm. every day. So for those of our listeners who are maybe in the midst of a trial right now, or trying to recover from a trial, um, how, what advice can you give to them to help them come to know that for themselves? Know that the Savior is their Savior, that He is their older brother, and that He does love them. Um, because sometimes I think we hear that, and it's like, if you know, you know. If you don't know, you don't know. And it's, right. it can be kind of, it can seem kind of vague and hard to grasp. And so imagine you're talking to somebody who, doesn't know and doesn't have family or friends who know who can teach them what would you tell that person um gosh i don't know it's a really it's a really personal thing like you you can't see the wind but you can feel it i don't know how to explain other <laughs> than just that um growing up and knowing that uh that I'm a child of God and that he didn't leave me helpless or lonely, you know, like I'm not, I'm not completely alone. Like I, none of us are, you know, and, and just, just knowing that, I I don't know, Andrew, I don't know how to explain it either. (laughs) It's like, um, I think one of the things that you had said during your story was that you, I mean, at eight years old, you turned to him. And I think, like, you have to, if you don't know that the Savior's your Savior, you have to take a step yeah. to, to figure it out. And so, I mean, your example of being even eight years old, you turned to the Lord in prayer to figure out, like, hey, what's going on? You know, come comfort me. Yeah. And we, we, I think that we can just, if we're in those situations, we need to turn to Him. But just, if you don't know that you need to, just test it. Right. Yeah, you know, prove him. And if you're wondering what that feeling is going to be like, like how the Lord's going to answer you, the feeling that you felt when Katie was talking about Jesus Christ loving you and being your brother and being there for you and being your savior, that feeling is the feeling that the Lord is going to use to talk to you. Right. Because we felt it now when we were talking about this. We felt that spirit testify of the truth of what Katie was talking about. And that truth, that's that same spirit will be present when you're listening to this at home or in your car or wherever you are 
if you are truly listening and you're open to hearing it. Um, and so seek after that feeling that you felt and you have felt so far. And that, I think that's going to be the key to kind of help develop that relationship and that surety. Mm-hmm. I think like Emily said, you just have to test it. I, I grateful because I grew up, you know, with that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up knowing that I'm a child of God and that he loves me. Right. I grew up with that. And so, um, and just in that short little time of my life had seen miracles happen for me. And so it's something that you can't deny. And it's something that it is the one thing prayer, prayer and knowing that he's going to answer and it may not come it's that never comes in your time. Like, let's just be honest. It's always going to be in his time every time. Um, but I think one of the, one of the gifts that have come to me from whatever you can call them a spiritual gift or whatever is hindsight. So like, you know, they say that hindsight's always 2020. Mm -hmm. I'm so blessed in my life that anytime I'm going through some kind of crazy trial and I'm I just don't question it anymore. And I'm like, why is this happening? I learned that a long time ago. And I'm not even to ask, right? <laughs> the question I ask now is, what am I supposed to learn from this? Help me figure out what I'm supposed to learn. And then when it's over, when that part is done, almost inevitably, Heavenly Father lets me see why why you had to go through this. This is why. Mm-hmm. And this is this is what's coming out of it. And it may not be like right then, right? right? It could be down the road, but I was like, oh, okay, well, that's why I had to go through that. Mm -hmm. So I I really like this mentality of not, not questioning why in the moment, like maybe thinking, okay, like I wonder what I'm going to learn from this. Like, so I know there is a why. So my question's not like, is there a just, that's not why me, why, why am I having to suffer this? Mm -hmm. Right. And and what I want to ask is, how do you find the balance between being submitting your will to the Father, and as opposed to just kind of being pessimistic and resigned to suffering? So I, I have watched people. I actually watched. I was watching this talk show one time. It's going to sound really funny, but I was watching this talk show one time and it was a guy that got burned and I don't even remember why he got burned, but what the deal was. And he was on this talk show and they were talking about, he was angry, man. He was just super angry. He was angry that he got burned. He was angry that people picked on him. He was angry that, like, he just had all this. All this angst. Oh, it was crazy, you know? And I was like, that's, that takes a lot of energy. He's so angry all the time. Like, that's. I'm exhausted watching you be angry at mm-hmm. the world because this happened to you. Mm-hmm. Like the reality of it is you could have taken this and done something else with it. And not to say that people who suffer or who are upset or who mm-hmm. <laughs> are angry that something bad happened to them, like whatever, not to, not to dis- dismiss that or say that you're wrong or whatever, because mm-hmm. everybody's entitled to their own feelings. But for me, it just didn't make any sense. There was no point in blaming anybody for what happened. I kind of felt like I picked this trial on my own. <laughs> like I, I, you know, chose to go through this. And it isn't the first trial I've gone through and it won't be the last. And I've already 
gone through my hardest day, right? And I survived. So, you know, and that's probably one of the things I read that somewhere one time. They're like, you've, you're already a hundred percent survived your worst day so far, Mm -hmm. right? So keep on going. It's okay. You know, and while you're there, reach your hand out and help somebody else. So in your post, you mentioned that you were grateful for fire. Um, and I, you had written a little bit metaphorically going through like the refining process and stuff. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you meant by that? And so, um, I think a lot about the refiner's fire, right? And that's what, what does that do? It purifies, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, so for me, physical, the fire that, that burned me, um, has just, I'd like to say that it made me better than I was before. I don't know. I mean, I was little, so I don't know how much, (laughs) how bad I was back then. I'm just kidding. But, um, I, I could have, I could have taken it a whole different way and I could have been somebody totally different. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I am the kind of person, so you don't know this about me, uh, Emily and Andrew probably at all, but I will tell you this. I have mega anxiety just walking out the door on a daily basis. Really? Just being in public. I have mega anxiety meeting anybody new. The first time that I was going to meet, like really spend some time or or meet my um, niece and nephews, my brother's kids, like, and they were a little bit older or whatever, and I'm like... Did you explain to them that I have scars? Did you tell them that I was burned? Like I just so have the anxiety mm-hmm. specifically tied yes. to you. Okay. Yes. So it, horribly so bad. Is it tied to how, like you're afraid of how people will perceive you? Yes. Okay. I was thinking that you're scared of like another accident happening. No. Okay. It's not even that, and okay. it's not even close to that. Though for a long time I was scared of riding a car. Well, or scared yeah, of you obviously. know what is that kind of stuff? But like. Even today, like going into the grocery store or whatever, because people are just not nice sometimes. Let's just put that out there, you know, yeah. whatever. And um, and kids don't understand all the time. So right. kids will ask questions, and sometimes that can be super unnerving. And as a before I even had kids, I had this huge fear that my kids were not, if I had children, that they would not love me because they would be afraid of me Mm. so that was very hard for me like as they were starting to get older and starting to recognize and things like that that was super hard for me and so um just going to my kid's school and having the other kids go god what's wrong with your mom you know like (laughs) because they don't understand and that's okay and like i don't understand that part of it so i have all this this anxiety and meeting people new or whatever what do i do for a living right (laughs) I run a restaurant, Mm -hmm. right, where I meet people all day, every day that don't know me, that maybe see me once, see me twice, whatever. This is what I do for a living, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I put myself out there at church all the time. I don't stay inside and not go grocery shopping. Like, I do all of these things. And, and like, the way that our minds work is, like, the way we remember people is by some defining quality because we meet so many people. And so, like, if somebody is meeting you for the first time like they're going to they're going to remember you as the lady with the scars right and that's just it's not because people are rude or mean it's just kind of like the way that brains work right and so it's 
so it causes all this anxiety in me to just put myself out there too mm-hmm. and that's why I put on my post like just to put one foot in front of the other and be like you know what you've already survived the worst day like this can't be any worse what if somebody stares at you okay just keep going like, mm-hmm. just don't yeah. look back whatever you know um but it helped me to teach my kids too like just be grateful for every day and be thankful for you know just everything that you have and 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 know that there's somebody else out there that's suffering and that needs your smile and that needs your you to be uplifting and needs you to be kind and don't be judgmental and um because all of that stuff happened to me and I could have taken it in a whole different way but um I think about the savior and I think about how he um he gave us everything literally he gave us everything he gave us his, his entire life and he um, stayed perfect and he had to in order for you know his atonement to work in our life like he had he had to be that way mm-hmm. and so he gave everything so who am I not to give everything that I have right that's how I feel and so and that's why I, what I try to teach my kids like just you just give it your all mm-hmm. how long did it take you to get to a point where you were not able to just talk this talk, but able to like fully walk this walk. It's be because it's it's easy to think about it. Um, at times, you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this thing. I'm not going to be afraid, or I'm just going to go out and do it, uh, or I'm going to you know not let my anxiety kind of take over me. I'm going and not limit me. Uh, so I'm just going to push forward. Is that something you're still struggling with on an ongoing basis, or did you was, did did you reach a point where you kind of conquered it and you're able to kind of just live life semi-normally um it some days i don't think about it at all mm-hmm. some days it's not a big deal at all mm-hmm. and then some days um like i'll just be honest with you so if my mom when my mom was still alive if we would be in a car and she'd be like let's have a prayer while we're driving down the road i'll be like no let's get out of the car we're not going anywhere (laughs) no praying (laughs) do not say a prayer while we're driving i can't handle it we can pray before we get in the car or after but not Not while while we're on the road we're not gonna have that um but i think that um so some days i don't i just don't think about it at all some days i just like I got too much going on in my life. I don't have time to stop mm-hmm. and waller and self-pity. It's not, mm-hmm. you know. But, um, and then some days are just a little bit harder than others. And it and it usually doesn't get hard until I'm in the situation now. You know, like, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, there's that. Mm-hmm. You know, thanks for pointing that out. Okay, now I'm going <laughs> to. And it's usually some, you know, cashier at the grocery store that's like, God, what happened to you? You look terrible. Like, what? Oh, thanks. Okay. Oh, it happens. I can't all the believe time. people say that. It happens all the time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but it, I mean, at this point, you know, sometimes I go, Did, "Is there something on my face?" <laughs> like sometimes I do that. <laughs> my That's favorite question is when people go, ah, "Did it hurt?" Well, let me take a match to you and see how that makes you feel. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's just that kind of thing. It's just kind of funny. But mm-hmm. I just, I think that way back when I just decided, like, I, you know, I was a kid, so that was a little bit more helpful, I think, mm-hmm. because it's I easier just, to adjust and... yeah, I just, this was, this became my life and it was what it was. And I had some great friends at school whenever I got burned 
the summer between my second and third grade year of school, right? Mm-hmm. So I, and I told my mom, I want to go back to school. Like I had friends, you know, I, I want to go back to school. And the doctors and stuff were like, hey, I don't know if she's going to be able to, we're probably going to have to homeschool her. I don't think that it's, you know, physically it's going to be super demanding on her and things like that. And so um, I went back to school and I, had just had some great friends that we had been going to school together since we were in kindergarten. And, um, and so it wasn't so, you know, like other kids in other classes may were kind of mean and would say some things, but I had just had this core group of friends mm-hmm. that I had went to school with and they were super great. And, and the neat thing is that they, you know, when my parents got divorced, we moved away. And so I made another group of little friends, you know, or whatever, but mm-hmm. I got to come back here and finish my high school years here. And so, those friends I graduated with and I'm still friends with. And so, um, I think just, I think just some days I just never thought about it. And then some days were just a little bit harder and I'd go home and, and have a little meltdown for myself and Mm -hmm. say a little prayer and go to sleep. And the next day was just a new day. What do you, what are you most grateful for as a result of your accident? Um, the perspective I think that it gave me or that gives me that um, one I, I try really really hard and I am not by any means perfect at any of this stuff at <laughs> all but like I try really hard not to be judgmental about anybody like looks or their attitude or their whatever like I just everybody's going through something sometimes you can see it and sometimes you can't right you happen to see mine on a regular basis but Mm -hmm. there's some people who are struggling that you just can't see that and so not to be judgmental of that and I think that um it gave me a a much deeper relationship with my heavenly father and with the savior and just the comforting spirit that comes from from them um to help me just to put one foot in front of the other, like I said, just to move forward and to know that, um, that my physical body doesn't define who I am. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, like the scars don't have to define me and the trial didn't have to define me other than to make me a better person. Like, and just to help me to, to know that it doesn't matter what I look like or whatever, that the Lord loves me regardless. And, when I screw up and I screw up really bad sometimes, but he still loves me and he cares and he is going to answer my prayers. Like I said, maybe not in my time, but always in his and, and then he's going to help me to get through it. And I have been so blessed just maybe to give me more compassion for other people and empathy for the things that they're going through. Like those things are paramount for me, you know, to just know like it's okay and I think that's how I could open my home to so many people just because I, because when I see somebody in need, I can't walk away, right. you know, sometimes my kids wish that I could, I think <laughs> like mom, really? But I just, um, I hope that if, if for nothing else that, that they've learned that lesson too, like, I hope that I raised a generation of kids who who care about other people and who aren't willing to turn away from people that are different, but willing to reach down and, mm-hmm. and give them a hand up and just 
um, open their heart and their home to somebody that, you know, doesn't have what you have. Yeah. Well, is there anything else we want to add? I have one question. So I think um, sometimes when we are dealing with trials that in the moment seem to us to be very big, uh, we come in contact with somebody who has a trial that seems way worse than our trial. Or we think we read about people historically who have trials that are way worse than our trials. And then we not only feel bad because of our own trial, but then we feel bad that we're complaining or that we're having a hard time with something that seems so minuscule. Can you maybe talk? Then, oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, and then you end up thinking to yourself, well, at least I didn't do, go through this, or at least I'm not this person who had to suffer this. Right. And so you kind of like downplay the hard thing that you're going through. But right. And so you end up like beating yourself up doubly because of your trial and because you're like, oh, well, my trial's not as bad as that other person's trial. And so can you speak to that person right now who's having that feeling, maybe listening to your story and comparing their trial to your trial? Okay, so can I tell you a really quick story? Yeah. yeah. So, and I'm smiling because um, when my son was a teenager, and you know Zachary, so <laughs> sorry, bud. So, um, <laughs> so he was going through something. I don't even remember what it was, but really seemed kind of silly. But he, you know, he was really having a hard time with this or whatever. And I went and sat and talked to him and just said, you know, you, I'm sorry that you're having this hard time. And, um, you know, don't, don't forget to pray and know that Heavenly Father loves you and you're going to make it through this. And it's, you know, I know that this part is rough right now, but know that it's going to, it's not going to last forever and you're going to get, you're going to get past this. And so we talked for a long time and I just kind of let him cry on my shoulder and, and let him have his moment, you know, like he was just really struggling with it. And Mm -hmm. I loved on him for a little bit and I went out and (laughs) Jeremy, that's my husband, he said, are you serious right now? Is he in there crying about blah, 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 you know, whatever? He's like, does he even remotely understand what you've been through in your life? Why in the world are you trying to comfort this? Go tell him to suck it up and move on. Like, it's not that big of a deal. You got a zit. It's okay. You know, whatever it was. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't that. But, but I didn't ever want him to feel like he couldn't. Like he he didn't have a right to his own feelings. Does that make sense? So, yeah. Yeah. so just like you're saying, like you know what, what you're going through right now, like that. Right now may seem like that this is the hardest thing that you're, that you've ever had to deal with. Like, and this is tough, and you don't understand why, and and it's, and it can seem just, you know, insurmountable right now. Like you feel like you just. I can't put one foot in front of the other or whatever. I can't get through this one day, but I promise you that you can. And that it's, um, and today's hard and that's okay. It's just a rough day. But you're going to go sleep tonight and you're going to get up tomorrow. And even if tomorrow's a rough day, guess what? You survived the day before, you're going to survive this one too. And you're going to get past that. And then there's going to come a time where it's not so hard every day. And it's, you're feeling better and you're getting better and you're, seeing a light at the end of the tunnel Mm -hmm. some days I think I'm having such a great time and such a great life I'm waiting for the shoe to fall like you know like you're like something bad this is way too good you know or whatever yeah I definitely feel like I have that moment every now and again oh man 
Things have been so easy for a couple weeks, and this is not normal. Something's coming. It's around the corner. But I think all the time about how if I've gone through something, just to know that um, that I've made it through it, and so when the next thing comes, I'm ready, right? Because mm-hmm. not today, Satan. Yeah, you know, like right. <laughs> I made it through it, and I'm gonna get through the next one, and I'm gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you will. You'll get through it. Yeah. It may not seem like it, <laughs> and it may not seem like it for yeah. a while, but that's okay. Right. So I think it's interesting that the we have to kind of find this balance when we're comparing our trials to other people's trials or when we see people who are going through so much more than what we're going through in that moment uh we need to we can find inspiration and say like look like it's still possible with the savior to get through anything and if like we can put our trials in proper perspective like okay like yeah like my i'm going through a hard time but like it could be so much worse but at the same time allow ourselves to feel those feelings yeah don't if i could tell you anything like don't don't hold it that was one of the things that was super hard for me because i wasn't allowed to like grieve or be hurt or whatever like that was super taboo you couldn't cry at the hospital you couldn't cry like they it was super strict it you know like I'm talking to my dad on the phone at night, you know, so I'm having a hard time and they, I'd start crying. The nurse would hang it up. Like you, there was no, you were not allowed to have emotion. And it took me 20 years of not having emotion for that all to just fall apart. Why didn't they allow that? That makes no sense. I think that it was too hard on adults to see a kid suffer and they couldn't handle it. So it was easier just to, push you away and shut the door and walk off than oh, it was someone. to deal that's, with that. That's crazy. <laughs> okay. it, it, I think yeah. that that's just how it was. Yeah. And so yeah. I think that you need to allow yourself to feel it. And that's what I was trying to tell Jeremy. Like, that's a big deal for Zach. Whatever he's going through or whatever, my kids are suffering, like, it's a big deal to them, right? Mm-hmm. And you need to... I used to tell people all the time I was so grateful for my trials. And I had this one lady <laughs> tell me one time, you're ridiculous <laughs> because I'm not grateful for any trial I go through. And I think that's really sad mm-hmm. because, um, one, it gives me a little bit more perspective on the Savior, right? It helps me to realize that he struggled a ton mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. than I'll ever, ever imagine, right? And he's felt my hurt. He's felt my pain. Like, he knows mm-hmm. already. So it gives me a little bit of perspective on the Savior. And two... It helps me to appreciate the good days a whole lot more. Now, when you say you're grateful for your trials, are you grateful for your trials while they're happening, or are you grateful for them retroactively? Like once you've like finished come to terms with like them, because you can come to terms I with the trial both. while it's while it's going on. I, I think both, because I think that, and maybe, and it, like there's some days that are really hard, but I'm really grateful for the knowledge that. It's not going to last forever, mm-hmm. one. And because like I said, I don't. I learned a long time ago not to ask why it's happening to me, but what can I learn from it? And so every day I'm trying to think, okay, what can I get out of this that's going to help me be a better person? Or what can mm-hmm. I get out of this that I can help somebody else with whatever it is I have? Yeah. Like if I can do that, then whatever I'm going through was worth every minute. Yeah, that's so awesome. I mean, yeah. really it's 
it the, the thing that makes you makes it possible for you to have gratitude in the, or for a trial in the midst of a trial is faith and understanding that like yeah like this is going to come to an end i have faith that eventually this is going to end and i'm going to be able to get through it because you've seen it happen before and so you can r- repeat the process right. uh, and so that faith is what can really get you through those things and transform whatever feelings you're having like negative feelings into a, a sense of gratitude because you you can have gratitude for an event that you know is going to happen and because you have such faith that that event is going to happen you can then have gratitude for it in the future even if it's not being realized in that moment right which is an awesome thing um well i think last question to kind of wrap up is the question we want to start asking all of our guests uh along the lines of our podcast or outpost of heaven and you've talked a little bit about this but what is one thing you're trying to do to make your home a little outpost of heaven for your family and for everyone that comes into your home? <laughs> we, um, we have a sign on our mantle and it says, you call it chaos, we call it family. <laughs> um, I, one of the things that I think Jeremy and I do is just have an open door. Like, yeah. we want people to feel safe, and we want them to have a place that that they can come and just forget about all the funk that's going on outside of these walls. Because here you're safe. You know, here's, you know, this is a judgment-free zone in here, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that um, you've been in my house before, so I have posters up all around. My house is so kiddified, but like I have <laughs> posters up on all of my kitchen cabinets that just have inspirational messages or whatever on them yeah. that I bought from the school supply store. That's what I did. <laughs> and, um, and I thought about taking them down one day and I, then I thought, no, you know, so I could have a little more adult looking house now that Jeremy and I are empty nesters, you know, but, um, you will probably never actually be empty nesters. No, Let's be real. So. <laughs> but, um, but then I thought, no, that's that's what my kids are used to or that's what people are used to seeing when they come in is um just remember you know like Mm -hmm. it's every day is a new day and it's it can be as good as you want it to be Mm -hmm. my one of my things and the kids will tell you that my this is my slogan it's up to me what my day will be that's it right I like that yeah it's up to me and that's I need that in my life (laughs) you get to choose you got a choice and and i'm grateful for the the choice that we get to make to be happy and to be grateful for whatever comes Mm -hmm. because one you you get to do it you know like it may kind of suck going through it but like you get to accomplish this thing and heavenly father trusted you enough to go through this Mm -hmm. so take it yeah wow thank you so much for this conversation it's been fantastic conversation i'm just so grateful for you that you're so willing to share and i really love you and i appreciate it well i think everything has been put so beautifully that i I don't want to take away from it by talking more (laughs) so uh thanks again katie and thank you all of our wonderful listeners for taking the time to listen to this conversation i hope that you have found it even a fraction as helpful as i found this conversation Uh, And I hope we can move forward 
past this Thanksgiving season with a greater degree of gratitude in our lives. Uh, and, and I know that will bring us closer to the Savior. I know that too. All right. Um, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. That really helps us to keep growing. All right, guys. Keep the faith. Bye.